Hi, everybody, and welcome to the latest installment of, of the End of Sales podcast. I hope everyone who's listening is keeping well. I'm joined by my co-host, John, and a show regular, Francis. How are you both? Yeah, yeah good, mate. Steve. Uh, good, sure. good. I'm fine, I'm fine. Just back from a bit of football training. Wrecked, but we'll get stuck into this. <laughs> now, what we've seen over the, the weekend, we, I mean, last week we covered it pretty extensively on the podcast about Postacoglu. We looked a bit into him and his history and what he's won. And we've seen over the weekend that apparently he verbally agreed to take the job in his last day at Yokohama will be Wednesday in their cup game, I believe. I think they have a, a cup game left. I think he wants to take them over the line. But again, we've seen managers verbally agree to the Celtic job and end up doing a runner when they get close to it. So <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll keep, I can keep cautioning this one, but it looks more or less agreed that he's going to be the next manager. I mean, all the signs, all the noises, there's much more movement than there was towards the end of the Eddie Howe deal anyway. But come to yourself, John, first. We've seen from various sources within 72 hours, which many believe would be Wednesday after his last cup game with Yokohama, he's going to be announced. And we talked about this on our last podcast in terms of <laughs> are you warming to him and people like that. I mean, you brought up very good points and people are saying he's a cracking manager. I myself have heard people say that he's in the top 10 coaches in the world. But again, this is people who are all based in Australia and Japan. And I was thinking to myself today, Especially around when Kevin Musket got linked to the assistant manager job, how far Celtic have seen to be fallen. I mean, first of all, linked with Eddie Howe, manager of that calibre, and now we're going to the land down under. And in literal terms, we're going to Australia to source an ex-manager. No disrespect. I mean, we did say there's positive points to him, but when you reflect again, it, it does point to a sober fact that Celtic can't attract the manager that once could. Well... I, I believe Celtic are still capable of attracting a, a decent manager. They, I think the issue here doesn't lie within Celtic's standing as a club and their appeal. Uh, it's the board's lack of action. And like you mentioned, it's like we put all our eggs in one basket with the whole Eddie Howe thing. It fell through. Uh, we don't know too much about Posse Coglu. We can, we've all heard good things up until this point. I'm definitely, as I said previously, I'm warming to him. Um, but... It, I mean, it is still unknown. It is still a bit of a gamble because we don't know how he's going to be uh, managing teams in uh, in Scotland, the type of football that's played here, and is how he's going to cope uh, playing in Europe. So, I mean, it does sort of seem like a bit of a rushed appointment, a bit of a panic appointment, but Celtic claim that they've been sort of keeping tabs on them for months, but I'm sure they would say that anyway, uh, just to make it seem like they actually had a plan B. Uh, which I don't think they actually did. Um, but as I said, um, and, and as we mentioned, you've had a lot of, you mentioned there that I know a lot of the guys have said that have come out and says that he's a quality coach and everything else uh, are all players that have played under him internationally. But I, I, again, these are guys that have played, I mean, that Australian international team is still three world-class players who have played in some of the top leagues in Europe uh, under some of the best coaches. So, there has to, I mean, they might just be um, sort of defending one of their own, but at the end of the day, you still, everything that's been said about him is still positive, so, and I, I still think there's something to that. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. I mean, the Australian national team, when he was in charge of them, had the likes of Tom Rodgers, Tim Cahill, Jackson Irvine, who plays for Hibs at the moment, and they are, it is littered with good players. I mean, I wouldn't go as far as saying we're class, but there is quality in, in their team. Statement. There, there is quality in their team, but coming to yourself, Francis, we've we've chatted about it amongst ourselves as a group of stuff, and people haven't really had the opportunity to say their views, especially on the podcast, since when we had certain people on last week. But how are you feeling towards the post appointment, and are you thinking as 
the long legs of me is like how far have Celtic fallen and again I do have to come back to what I said previously there is positive points as John said I mean a lot of players a lot of ex-coaches in Australia media are bumming this guy up to the highest and he must have some pedigree about him he has won things but again is it a bit worrying that Celtic had to go this far to attract the manager? It is but then that could go down to like what you touched on you and Anthony Ross and John touched on last week about is it maybe ignorance for my side just not doing a lot of research into the guy and not knowing it, but yeah, I would I would expect us to be able to get a bigger calibre manager. I mean, like it could could be a masterstroke for the board by this guy. It could really be a good manager. Like you have said, I've heard lots of good things about him. Yeah, that's coming out of Japan and Australia. You'd sort of expect that some of these guys are linked to the Man City uh, group thing. So again, are they just sort of? Protecting one of their own, and also it's like not to downgrade the Japanese or, or Australian league. It's why is this guy been over there that long? Basically, obviously had the international uh, job, but why has he been over there that long and not had a, a, another crack at Europe? Uh, you because know, I know he obviously played well, we managed in I think for a six month spell in the Greek second or third division. So why is nobody else taking a punt on him? That's why I don't get in. Like the guy could be. I say it could be a master stroke. I've also read reports that he's a, uh, a Bielsa type guy. Which I mean, if he's anything like Bielsa, I think we've got I've got a really good manager on our hands. But will the players to react to Bielsa because he wants players to run all day, wants them to be fit. So it's, it's, it's I don't know. I'm uh, I don't know how I feel. I'm I wouldn't say I'm overly excited, but the same thing. I'm 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 open to it because it's. I I slightly disagree with John saying I don't I think Celtic had a plan B and Postacoglu maybe was the plan B. I just don't think they ever thought they needed the plan B. I think they just thought Eddie Howe was done and dusted. And I think Postacoglu has been a plan B, hence why it seems on the face of it to get done very quick. But I think it was more they didn't think they needed a plan B. But do not think Francis that this points to like a favour from the Manchester City organisation. We know the links yeah. they have through Lowell. His son works in, in the Manchester City group. So yeah, for me, from the outside looking in, I don't think it's a plan B. What gives you that vibe? I mean, you do say that it was done, it is being done quickly, but again, at the end of the day, you can ring a mate and get a favour done, ASAP. It's it's as simple as that sometimes. I know, but it is as simple as that, but it is, it's football. It's, it's not as simple as things like that. It's not just getting maybe getting a job in a shop or something like that. There is, there has well, to guess. be, but I do, I do think it is a plan B. I'm not saying, maybe I was wrong in saying that Postacoglu was a name they'd thought of, but maybe their plan B was, well, let's go to the City Group after that. Mm. What, what about yourself, John? What are you thinking about that? No, I mean, it wouldn't at all surprise me if it was just done through a phone a friend and they've obviously found themselves up shit creek and, left in a position where the guy that they wanted in, they thought was definitely going to come in, like I say, all their eggs were in one basket. That fi- that fell through. Um, you were already running about the 100-day mark without a manager, and it's like your natural reaction then is to, uh, well, the board anyway, it would seem to panic almost. And They've obviously had the recommendation for some guys, whether that be for the city group or no, uh, we don't know, but it, it wouldn't at all surprise me. But see, looking at it as well, as you said, it could be done by phone a friend, and as Francis has said, the City Group could have been the plan B. But do you think, John, it's healthy to be much aligned with the City Group? Because we always say 
on the podcast that Celtic should be their own club. They're 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 worried by the situation, and as you rightly said at the start, there there is no downturn in their gravity in terms of worried by status. What I was meaning by them kind of going to that market is because the everyone else in Europe knows they're a second choice. Anyhow, I'm sure Postecoglou is aware that he'll be second choice, but he seems like the type of guy that wants to get that crack in Europe, and he he would have took anything to be honest. But I know there was rumours about AEK Athens were after, but that fell through because of backroom staff. And we'll get on to the backroom staff. He may be taking the Celtic, but do you not think it's a bit unhealthy to be linked with this group all the time? I mean, I don't think there's any problem having relationships with him football because it can certainly help. Um, but it depends on the nature of it um, and to what extent you're actually utilising the, the links that you've got. Um, we've seen through previous players that we've brought through for Man City, um, some of them work, some of them don't. It, I mean, like it, it's difficult to say. As long, it, it, like I say, if, if as long as Man City or the Man City group haven't they got their uh, hand in anybody's pockets in that, and what I mean by that is they're no making sort of any decisions for people. Like the club, Celtic should still be standing on their own two feet. I don't think there's any problem having relationships with other clubs, but. It, again, it, it, as to what, it, what, what extent is, how far do their relationships go, how deep do they go? Like you mentioned, we already know Lowell's son works with the City Group. Uh, and that instantly, sort of, you, you could sort of put it down to maybe conflict interest and things like that because it's you're then just sort of diving into that and you might be making, this could well be an appointment that's no good for us and we're doing it off the back of a recommendation. And... It's a tough question to answer, Stephen, really, because, like I said, it's... Well, it is, I understand that it is. I'm just trying to get your general opinion on I just, the, the I, I don't think there's a problem with having relationships with other clubs in football, no. But, again, it, 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 it really depends on the extent of their relationships and how far they go. Yeah, what about yourself, Francis? Where do you stand on the whole City connection? I know John said we've got success from certain players, like so Bayada, Roberts, just to name a few, but are you happy enough with Celtic looking like, not like a feeder club, but almost like they're kind of... City's go-to club if they want to send players to or Celtic are ringing them for a face. Are you comfortable with that? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm similar to John like with relationships within football. I mean, it happens throughout and let's, like Celtic are a bigger club than Man City but globally right now Man City are, are blown Celtic out of the park unfortunately but a lot of that's money, the league they're in and stuff and like I'm not like I'm not a fan of Man City the football club and it's, it's simply down to how became, they've got a lot of their recent success, but if you look at the City group and what they do to the communities and stuff, I mean what they've done to, uh, round about this, the park, the stadium and that the jobs they've created down in Manchester I mean, that's that's a good thing but like John I I would hope that if they are involved it's not from a sort of a financial side where they've maybe got a, a financial stake in Celtic, I don't mind the sort of feeder club type thing, because like Laura eh, Bradburn touched on a couple of weeks ago, like it works for Ajax and Borussia Dortmund. Like they're not, I don't know, feeder clubs the right thing, but it's they bring put they bring players through and they move on to bigger and better things if you like, and it, it's a successful model. The two clubs have got so it could work for sales. It could could be something that works. I yeah. suppose you say. Go ahead, John. So I was just going to say, no, Franny's point there was perfect. You see other clubs have these type of relationships through world football, not just necessarily in Europe, but you've got them. Like I said, I don't like using the term feeder club because, as it says, in terms of actual stature and history and 
fan base were a far bigger club than Man City will ever be. But they have the pulling power of playing in the Premier League and the money that comes with that, and that's what's put them in the position that they're in. Uh, and obviously the people that invested in them have invested heavily uh, to make them as successful as they are. Um, we unfortunately don't have that luxury, but I don't see a problem, like Fran says, in having relationships with clubs whereby you can maybe get deals on some young up-and-coming players. Because like we've seen, like you mentioned, Boyata, uh, for all accounts, up until maybe the latter end of his career at Celtic, done really well for us. And we, um, we, we all, I think we all as Celtic fans fell in love with Paddy Roberts as well, and we'd love to have him back. So, I mean, I think that you can have successful relationships with other clubs, definitely. But again, as long as, like, you, like I say, the City Group haven't got their hand in anybody's sort of pockets on making decisions for people, and doing it through the likes of law and things like that. Yeah, then... I mean, I think Francis made a great point as well, John, as you touched upon. You've seen this model in the, the Bundesliga and the Austrian League between Salzburg and Leipzig. I mean, we've seen our manager move to them and then use from Leipzig to Bayern Munich, but obviously the M clubs aren't interlinked, the, the latter of the clubs, but I mean, it, it can work. And as you said, if it's on a basis where you're getting the all-player and it's not really, as you said, someone has their hand in their pocket and they're making decisions through Lowell. And one of the concerning things for a lot of supporters, Francis, is that this Postacoglu appointment seems to be a Lowell appointment. And as we all know, he is leaving his post, or he's meant to be leaving Celtic anyway at the end of this month, I think, or at the end of next month, as one or the other. But it's, oh, it's a concern. Yeah. It's a concern for myself because I do not think Mackay has had one say in this whole managerial process. Maybe he's been in the same room when negotiations have took place, but again, it's one of them ones where, as people say, he's shadowing him, and I don't think that should be the way it should be laid out. I think your man, Mackay, should have a more of a say because he's going to be working with this guy going forward, Postacoglu I'm referring to. Is is that not a concern for yourself, Francis, that if Lowell leaves Postacoglu with Mackay, what if they don't get on and there's already friction within the team that's been created to take Sally forward? Yeah, obviously that's that is a worry, Stephen. But I think just to sort of I don't know if it'd be playing devil's advocate, like Wall's technically still in charge. I appreciate he's leaving God knows when. It seems to be the date seems to be changed all the time now. But so he should he should, I suppose, be the one if you want to look at it in simple terms, he should be the one making these decisions. He should be the one getting the new manager and so getting this. Well, I'm I'm being being in simple terms, for trying to take Dominic Mackay out the picture now as if he's yeah. not really there, because obviously, as it stands, Peter Law still as the CEO, he's still the top dog, if you like, so he technically should be making these decisions, if you like, if you want to put it simple, but obviously we've got Dominic Mackay coming in and he's an inverted commas shadowing him, if you like, So, but I would like to think he is involved in this decision making, so it's it's a hard one, obviously, not knowing what how it is, but I would like to think that Don McKay is having a say in this, is being involved in all the, the negotiating and discussions and stuff. But then there's, like, as I say, I go back to just being in simple terms and taking Don McKay out of the equation. Like, Peter Law is the decision maker, if you like, as it stands. So should we really be surprised that he's making these decisions or it, it should we be surprised if it's if it's his guy, it's his choice, and he might just go, well, well, I was in charge, I brought this guy in, we all knew I was leaving. You just deal with it, I feel like. Yeah, but I mean, 
I mean, just to put Mackay in the picture here, just briefly, I was saying last night that the the Celtic women's team qualified for the UEFA Champions League, which is a fantastic achievement yeah, yeah. by all accounts. And he put out a tweet or reply to the Celtic Football Club tweet saying, well done to the Celtic women for qualifying uh, to the Champions League. And that, that tweet got bombarded. I mean, bombarded with comments. And mm-hmm. that's the yeah. only really snippet of communication we've seen I know. from Mackay I know. since he's come in. But I, come into your Oh, sorry. When you go. No, that's fine. What are we going to say, Francis? Before we I, go? That's what I was just trying to say. It was like, I know he will, like he will be involved, but I was just trying to put it in simple terms of saying, should we be surprised if it's Law that's making the decision if he's just sitting going, right, well, that's a stall my ship. I'll decide. Yeah, but I mean, John, what about if Mackay can see in his own mind that this ship's getting steered into a cliff and it's going to crash and burn? And I know what you're saying, Francis, but for, in my opinion, I mean, I have to disagree with you. If you're coming in shadowing the, the chief executive, knowing you're taking up that role, you should have a big enough pair of balls to say to him, look, I'm not happy with the direction you're going in here. Can we maybe work together and find a solution, John? And it doesn't seem like that's happening. This seems like the hallmarks of a Peter Lowell appointment. Yeah, no, it definitely does. I would agree with that. Um, I do, and, and I do understand what, what Franny was saying there about technically he is still the CEO and he will be until the 1st of July or whatever it is. Uh, Mackay doesn't officially start in his position until that date. So technically, I the decisions are still Lowell's, but I would like to think that Law is looking at the fact that he's stepping down for that position and he's letting Mackay have a say because this, this whole shadowing thing, he brought Mackay in purposely earlier than planned so that he could shadow him so that that handover was seamless, the transition was seamless and you'd like to think then at some point that actually asking Mackay, what's your opinion on this? Where do you see it? Because you're the guy that's going to be taking our control and you're the guy that's going to be like overseeing it going forward. Um, if Law, despite the fact he knows he's stepping down, is just kind of ignoring anything Mackay's saying, still kind of like talking to Desmond and still making all the decisions, despite the fact that he's not going to be here uh, and it's decisions that are ultimately going to impact us long term, I don't think that's right. Um, and if if that is the case, then again, it just further shows the neglect in which the board are running the club at the minute. Yeah, I mean, for me, if you look at it as well, if, if I mean, he's, he, he came in for that shadowing, what, three months earlier than planned? And uh, as I you think said, I was to try and appease some of the fans about what that. Yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, Francis, your man's on the payroll, he's not doing that for free. And no, surely, no. And, and surely, as John said, after what, a month or two, you would expect all well, the turn around and go, look, what's your opinion? What direction? And we in the podcast, everyone knows who listens, we are the, the board's biggest critics. I mean, every yeah. week speaking about the boredom and people may be fed up with it but it can't be ignored it just can't and it's that attitude from the likes of Lowell saying as you as you said well this is my appointment you kind of deal with it that's not right is it as it's not right but also to kind of sort of flip it what's they say Tom Mackay isn't happy with all this he could pick this could be his guy I, I, doubt. Come on. I doubt it I doubt it I know I know I doubt it I doubt it but he could be sitting there going well I've done his background checks and stuff and going, I'm happy with this and we, we just don't know because it, it just comes back to the whole clarity for the board and what we get to hear or what we don't get to hear for them well, well that's it and we've been screaming for that for months as clarity and we've said it countless yeah. times or lack thereof in this case the board's failure to be clear and concise with fans for the throughout the course of the full season especially in the postseason the the, the, their failure, their, their, their silence, their, the, the, the occasional wee statement they put out and how 
how unclear it is, how fucking murky it is. Uh, like I say, it just leaves so much open to interpretation, and it, they're not doing themselves any favours because if they wanted to put people at ease and they wanted to appease supporters, then just come out and be open, be clear. I would, I would much prefer that. See, even if I didn't like it, see if, they, see if somebody's open and honest with you. I'll take that any day. Yeah, mm. I'm coming out. See even if they just come out like they don't need to say like just highlight what Donald McKay's been doing in the background, what what involvement he's got. Just just be things like that. I'm not expecting them to go, we're looking at this manager, this manager, that manager, we're looking at this play, that play, that play. You, you don't kinda of air that kind of laundry if you like. But just yeah. maybe tell us what Donald McKay has been doing for the last three months. Uh, well, what influence has he got? If we're led to believe he's been playing Fortnite with Diego Laxel. <laughs> well, I mean, we, don't, we don't know there, but, but I, I mean, mean, I'm sure you are on the same boat, right? And I'm pretty sure Mace fans would be. You respect somebody a lot more if they're honest, yeah. and open. Yeah. If yeah. this board was to come out and doing just highlight what is Dominic McKay's role at the minute when he's shadowing? Is he having an input? Is he having a say, like you said, Franny, with the the whole Eddie Howe collapse? What caused it? Just be open mm. and honest. Be clear. See, even if you're at fault, if you've mm. done something wrong. And it's fell through because of certain things. And you hold your hands up, admit that you were wrong, just fucking put it all out in the open, put all your cards out on the table. And they would get far more respect for fans for just being honest and open. But the fact that they're so silent, they're so. What's, what's, they seem to just be what kind of like paper over cracks. They're hoping yeah. people don't. Like, we're no mugs. Do you know what I mean? The fans aren't stupid. We, we can clearly see something's no right. We know yeah. something's not right. We just want the board to come out and be open with the people that, in essence, pay their wages, keep them in their fucking big mansions and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Like, just come out and be open and honest. That's mm-hmm. all I want. And I would I would I mean, respect the board a hell of a lot more if they just were open and honest. Like, even if I didn't like the decisions they're making, um, we, can, we you can touch on that further down the line, but at least they're coming out and they're being clear and open. You can maybe also sense the direction they're going on and when they do that. Exactly. Right? You, might, you might not agree with the direction, like you say, but exactly. Like, well, I can see a plan. Yeah. And I think, as John said there, we can all agree with that. I mean, we've, if, when we started this podcast, this, the, the first thing we talked about, we just want the board to be open and honest. And it brings me on to the next thing in terms of Posta Coglu coming in. I'm getting better with that name, by the way, folks, in case you haven't noticed. I've tried to avoid saying it so far. <laughs> but right, it looks like he's going to be confirmed manager, right? And if we're led to believe he's coming in on Wednesday and he has to endure a 10-day period of isolation, obviously, from COVID regulations and stuff. So that points to me, and we talked about this last week, and it seems more and more clear now that John Kennedy and Gavin Strachan will be there in some capacity at the start of the pre-season camp in Wales, Francis. How do you feel about that? Brilliant, eh? Imagine coming back and seeing them too. Imagine that. I know. I mean, it's like you say, because of the delay and how long it's taken to recruit the, recruit the manager, it's kind of came on everyone that uh, Kennedy and Strachan have got to be there because like, there's never been a, any clear ca- clarification what is actually happening to they two. I mean, we were all in agreement once Lennon left that they should have went with him. It was it's a team effort. I feel like appreciate you could maybe take the playing staff and that, but that never happens at the end of the day. But so they clearly sort of overstayed their welcome, and the fact that they're still there, it's I just I, I didn't I honestly didn't get it. And if you're like turning up to pre-season and seeing Kennedy and Strachan there, you're go, 
like some of the players must be like, oh, get me out of here as quick as I can. There's like no re- like, <clears throat> what's what? There's no wonder like guys like Aya, well, what's Edward and stuff like that. No wonder they're sitting looking going, oh, well, this guy was rotten for ten games. Get me away from here. But I suppose, <laughs> uh, I suppose as well, what you could if it is just pre-season, they're not really implementing. Um, I appreciate obviously. I've only played football at like an amateur Saturday and Sunday amateur level, but preseason is pretty much fitness really. So he's maybe no doing a lot of like sort of a coaching side if you like until our man Posta Coglu comes in. Posta Coglu, yeah. <laughs> uh, so maybe it's just they've got to be there for the fitness thing, and who knows, Gavin Strachan's laptop could be <laughs> a wee app that that can hook up their folks' fitness. You can actually see it. Maybe there'll be a use for it yet. <laughs> Well, I mean, there has been murmurs as well that if they kind of fit into his idea of playing, John, that they could stay on board as full-time members. And we did see that rumour floating about that former, I mean, we'll have to say, former Rangers player among other clubs. But, I mean, that was the biggest issue for some Celtic fans that Kevin Musket would be linked to assistant manager, John. And that was quickly uh, squashed, basically, a couple of hours later. But, I mean, getting links with them, them types of guys, I said it to you before we came on air, it kind of just shows me that I mean, there's better assistance out there, even if he takes his team from Yokohama or wherever he was at Melbourne or Australia, even though Musket was a part of that. But I'm sure there's other coaches he could take with him, surely. I'd, I'd imagine so. Um, but if these are the guys, again, that he wants to bring in, then and same, give, give him full autonomy of the staff he wants to bring in. I, I didn't have a problem with uh, Roy Musket coming in. He was only at Rangers for one year, right? It's and, part of the ABT year, but... I, listen, ABTs. <laughs> but, uh, see, <laughs> that, that, like... That that's his problem, but at the end of the day, it's like, I mean, he played one year, and I by all accounts, twenty games or something, I think as well. Uh, as uh, from what I'm led to believe, again, I don't know too much about him in terms of his coaching career, but for what uh, for what I'm led to believe, what I've read and other things like that, he's a, a very experienced coach, and he, he he does his job to a high standard as well. And I'm pretty sure that the fact that it's uh, he played for Rangers and now would be coaching. Well, we know it's not happening, but just saying that I'm, I'm sure that wouldn't bother him because he's a professional. So, and it wouldn't be the first time I've seen people cross that divide either. It, it's it's just sad, like that, that, that fans latch onto little things like that. Um, but aye, but the looks at it, that's not happening, and there, there there is other options out there, and we should certainly be exploring them. Some wonder if it, like the forty Muscat was. Maybe obviously did work with him. I think it was in with the Australian national team. Maybe because he played a season in Scotland. I appreciate like it was nearly twenty years ago. But maybe just thought it, it's a guy that knows the British game and stuff. Because Musket played a lot in England as well. So yeah, there's maybe yeah, a bit guys he that. Turn to, though. I yeah, mean, no, I get that. Rogic team, just... Scott McDonald. He can. Well, I was just mean it felt a, a staff point of view that guys that he's worked with in the past, and then he's maybe looking at him going, Aye. "Well, he knows the British game if you like." Say, say to be fair, obviously not the dwell and Kevin Muscat, but just to put it in perspective, when he was manager of Melbourne Victory, he's won the same amount of A-League titles as Posta Coglu did with Brisbane Moore. So there is obviously pedigree in terms of his yeah. management career. He, he managed for, I think it was seven years in Melbourne Victory. But moving on from him, obviously we don't want to dwell on him too much. But how do you feel, John, about Kennedy and Strachan? Obviously we talked about this last week, but it seems obviously every day now it seems more clear, more press releases are saying that they're at least going to be there during the pre-season. <laughs> How do you feel no, about that? I know, man. You see, when I read stuff, I just get a say I read. <laughs> I'm sick to death. 
hearing about it, I'm sick to death of talking about it. Well, we'll like, have if, to. Like, like, I know we have to, but I mean, fuck, like, why are they even still there? Like, Francis, they should, when Lennon left, they should have left. As, as far as I'm concerned, they were part of the problem. Since Kennedy's took over as interim manager, in fact, you can even call him interim at this point. He's been there damn near. He's, he's had a, a longer interim position than Mace managers, than some managers, no Mace managers, uh, than some managers he, have a he, permanent position. Is he, still, is, he, is he still in that position as we speak? Is that his title? Well, I don't know. If you go by the bookies, he'll be classed as the manager because the bookies class the manager right, after he, 10 games. 10 games. Oh, my God. And is Posty Coglu going to be written down as Lenny's replacement or as Kennedy's replacement? Oh, that's actually a good, good question. Good but question. I mean, in all, in all seriousness, though, we've seen it since he took over. He, there's been nothing fresh implemented in the team. It's still been the stale, same stale pish that we've been smelling for all season, and he's done nothing that warrants or would justify him remaining in a position like that going forward. If you want, like I said, we've touched on this, and we have a laugh about it, and we've said like he maybe has something on some day of the board. And that's why they've kept him in the club so long. Uh, and the longer and longer he's kept there, the more and more likely that's... I, I'm starting to believe it. Like It started off as a joke, but I genuinely think there's something in it. Because there's no reason why this guy... I mean, he's been a great servant for Celtic, but like if you're going to keep him there, just chuck him back into like, youth coaching or something. Aye. Send him away to help Franny, uh, the, the women's team. <laughs> well, Fran Alonso. I thought you meant uh, Francis on In fact, bring bring Fran Alonso up. <laughs> a lot of people have been saying that. He's done a superb job, and congratulations to the Celtic women's team, by the way, because they've still got an opportunity yeah. to win the league as well. So, I mean, uh, I mean, John, in terms of in terms of Kennedy, like as you said, I don't want him at the club. Plain right, no, enough, I, want the, I, want, I, want, I want both of your opinion, right? Um, but uh, I mean, again, congratulations to the Celtics women's team and Fran Alonso yeah. was a brilliant achievement. But looking at Kennedy, I want to be a wee bit heartened, not harsh on him, but I want to hone in. I want to hear him talk about him a wee second. Do we think, come to yourself, Francis, for, first, he's being a bit of a coward not leaving Celtic? Because it seems like to me, as John said, he's comfortable where he is because he knows he's not getting the boot. And it, that shouldn't be the case for anybody. No, it certainly shouldn't. Not a club the size of Celtic either he should always be worried about tomorrow I feel like but uh, it does look comfy looking at him and the way it goes about in his manner and the touch thing that it just could be the type of guy he is but to kind of sort of contradict when I sort of slated him a couple of minutes ago I kind of agree with Rossi like he, he was part of a successful Celtic under Rogers and stuff so there could be a place for him within the new coaching setup. But yeah, I, I would not be disappointed to see him see him go. I would be more happy to see him go than what I would be to see him hang about. I would, I would, I, would, I mean, I, I, I don't think he should be there. If Celtic decide they're going to keep him at the club, then again, if it, it has to be in some sort of coaching capacity, but keep him away from the the dugout. He doesn't need to be there. And I mean, to be fair, it was like he worked well under Rogers, and by all accounts, Rogers wanted to take him away to Leicester. Well, then let, Rogers can take him. <laughs> well, it's clearly didn't it because Kennedy said no. But striking though, like oh. why? There's no reason for him to be there at all. Like, but that's a friend's act, John. It's Gordon Strachan's connections with the board. Exactly. So, exactly. That's all that is. Yeah, hundred percent. And as as Francis rightly noted too, like, could you imagine the players right 
when they walk in in pre-season in Wales, nice and fresh and bang their face with them too. And that brings me on to what the topic is next in terms of players like what moves away. And we've seen Christopher Iyer before we move on to Eddie. He basically came out and while he was on international duty with Norway saying he wanted to leave last year, but the board said, look, stay for the 10, stay and help us win the 10, and then you can go this year. And he, kind of, he said basically along the lines of something's going to happen this summer, John, and you don't really blame him. I mean, the board made, made him a promise. And uh-huh. then it did come out in, in the Furnace Faros game saying the players didn't want to be, be here. And we always thought that I was one of them. Now that's been confirmed. What, what's your thoughts? Well, like, I, I, I don't blame Ayer, really. Like I say, we started to see the rot set in before this season. And mm-hmm. I think that the uncertainty with Rogers leaving, uh, the way Lennon was appointed, like I was, I'll, I'll, I'll applaud Lennon for taking over for the rest of that season, but he should have went then. Once that season was done in Celtic, should have got the finger out and got a manager in. But that didn't happen. I think a lot of players' heads started to turn at that point. And as times went on, and we spoke about this the other week as well, it wouldn't surprise me at all if players are now going to their agents and saying, like, I want out, I want away from here. Because what you look at the club at the minute, and it, like I said before, it's a pantomime, it's a joke. And I hate saying it because like I love the club, but when you when you just need to look at it, it's it's absolutely laughable that a club our size or stature is being run the way it is. And again, you need to hold the board to account here because a lot of the decisions they're making, or the lack of decisions they're making anyway, is causing these players to want to turn their heads and then say, I think it's time for me to move on. Yeah, I mean, another another glaring thing, Francis as well, obviously he did publicly say he wanted to leave before the 10th season, and Celtic could have cashed in cash in around 15 to 18 million pounds. Now it looks like you'll be lucky to get eight to nine million pounds for him with the likes of Norwich and all sniffing about. But that that to me is a, a bad choice there because if a player wants away, granted he's one of our star players, Francis, but again, if you're getting 15 to 18 million pounds, maybe eight or nine million would be reinvested back into the team. And I'm sure you could pick up another centre half centre half. That does is another bad bit of management by the board, isn't it? As isn't it what what I th- would have liked Celtic to do is probably say, right, I know you want to leave, but we want to try and get the 10, we want to make history. Go and sign another year's deal, like on top it, so come this summer, it's a two-year contract again, but just under the assumption, go, look, we will sell you next summer, but we want you to sign that extra year, so it gives us a wee, it kind of secures our asset, if, it, if you like, and you can maybe still command that 15 million, similar to what they should have done with, with Edward, who we, we may touch on later and stuff, but, so I've no... I've not realised, I would say it's bad business in the sense that not trying to persuade them to sign another year short of extension. So when it comes to the now, you, you can command a bigger figure. Because if you look, it happens all the time. Like I can remember Ronaldo before he left Man United. He, I think that's what happened to him. It's, he wanted to leave and then he got asked, he gave them another year's contract so you can still, you still get top dollar for the, the following year. So I'd say it's more that's poor it. management in the sense that maybe not try to get them another year on their, on their deal, but just tell them, look, I know I'm getting you another day, year, but it's not to keep you an extra year. Yeah, I mean, what's your opinion on that, John? I think uh, Francis brought up a good point there. I didn't really think of that. I mean, yeah, it's what I'm really looking at it. I mean, it's definitely something that could have been explored, I suppose, um, but it wasn't, and we're in the position we're in. Um, I think that, I did I said as well, although he, did, although he did come out and say, He's looking to leave, like he says. There was no secret about it last year. He was told just to mm-hmm. try and stay, win the ten, and then we'll, we'll we'll see what we can do in the summer. So it's like we as fans can't be that surprised about it because we've yeah. been saying, 
like it's been expected. We've been hoping that we got somebody in the door who could maybe convince him to stay. That doesn't look to be the case. But he has also turned around and says that he wants, while he's, he's got the opportunity to, to for Celtic to cash, he's a Celtic fan, and he wants somebody to try and recoup some money for him and cash in on him so that they've got the money there yeah. as well to rebuild. So, I mean, I don't hold anything against Ayer. I'd love to see him stay at the club. I think he's a great young player. Uh, he's potential captain material as well. Um, and it, it's going to be sad to see him go because he's got to be hard to replace. But, like I said, I, I kind of expected it. Yeah, he did make... No, it was just to say, like, like as much as I agree with you there, John, about Ayer and stuff like that, I think that was just a wee token statement to say that he's trying to get money for Celtic. It's, I think that's trying to soften the blow of leaving and stuff. Cause you, you hear that all the time for players. I bet he didn't need to say it. Do you know what I mean? No, he didn't like, need to say it, but it kind of, I feel like it's a token statement. Well, I think, in, I think in the same breath as well, he's kind of making it clear that he's not going to sign a new contract, so he's yeah. either cash in, cash yeah, in yeah. or lose me on a free. But he's yeah. came out and said it in a good way, which which is good. I mean, he didn't have to, as John said, but he, yeah. he has publicly said he wants Celtic to get money for him. And another player linked away, who looks more likely to believe in him. I mean, if thing related to believe that a £15, £15 million, £18 million fee has been agreed <laughs> with Leicester City, the club that seemed to be pushing the hardest. Obviously, Rodgers has managed uh, Edward before, but... <laughs> How about feeling it's all about Eddie leaving? I mean, it is to be expected. Again, we knew we knew this was coming. No, but I mean, no, but I mean, it, it is to be expected. But I mean, the fee is a bit laughable. In my my eyes. I mean, we could have cashed in again for twenty five million last year if we had a, a smart head about us, but we didn't do that. Obviously, yeah, in no, hindsight, no. no, we could have, and again, we didn't. And like I say, these performances this year hasn't warranted his price staying. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 sorry, the upper or around about the twenty mark. Or or above that, um, and like I says, we we even Rogers isn't stupid either. He, he they know that these clubs can low ballers, so they try they do it all the time. Yeah. And if we lose him for fifteen, especially when you read, well, I don't even know what his contract is at this point. But you you read all these different things. It's a forty percent selling. It's fifty percent a profit selling clause, and all the rest of it. And it's like at this point, if, if, if the most recent one I read was fifty percent any profit made uh, goes to PSG, which means that well, we've made three million half them, and that is that's poor business, really poor business. That's I mean three million pounds on the striker cost is nine. It's, a bit, almost, it's, it's, it's almost like you're as well as keeping them for a year, eh? Just losing <laughs> nine, and just taking the nine, losing the nine on them. But as as John said, there Francis, he was a player we've seen based well. This year, this season, he just regressed. I know he scored what over twenty goals again, but he wasn't himself, wasn't he? No, nah, definitely wasn't himself. And I think a lot of that is maybe going down to last summer as well. That he was maybe promised something, and then the board have not delivered on it. Like maybe he was what to leave, and they weren't. And maybe got told all we'll get because there was rumours. I can remember last at Talksport, and there was rumours that he was maybe getting offered a hefty, hefty contract. Don't know how true. Like they were talking. I've written between 30 to 50 grand a week. I mean, I doubt it'll go up to 50. And he was maybe offered the number seven jersey for a year just to try and keep him. And maybe he got all these promises and just it never materialised. And I think that could have maybe the reason why he played the way he did this season. But yeah, it was, it's another one that's no real shock that he's away. And like John said, the figure was always going to be what it was because it's year left in his contract. The guy's maybe not publicly said it but it's well well known yeah. that he wants away so T 
teams are going to come in with the the offers. But there was a wee bit of me hoping they might have stayed, but because he did actually put something on Instagram a couple of weeks ago, saying he can't wait to see fans back to Parkhead. But then I don't know if that was maybe something to do with Eddie Howe coming in. Maybe he fancied working on Eddie Howe or something. But that's just it's uh, it's one that was expected, and I think it'll be. Although this season it, it didn't look like he really turned up, even I think on I think it was his best goal scoring return anyway. But I just I think we just need to be grateful that the last few years we've had him and Dembele up front. Mm. It's just it, it's I mean, been a nice period for us. We've seen the likes of obviously Kieran Tierney move down to the Premier League and obviously he's started slow due to injuries, but he's kind of been a, one of Arsenal's better players this season. He's took a yeah. better scruff than that as we expected him to. And Edward has that potential and we all know he does. And we've seen the goal he scored when we were down to 10 men at Ibrox, the, yeah. the penalty kick he scored against Craig Gordon. Craig Gordon for a hissy fit. But John, come and do yourself. Do, do you think Edward has the potential to go on to play for? the biggest clubs in the world and lay up the Premier League and other leagues like the La Liga, Bundesliga, wherever he ends up after that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we, we like you said, you all know he's capable of, um, you've seen his exploits as well for the, the French team as well. Mm. I mean, he, he has, let's not kid ourselves on, he's, he is a world-class striker. He's got all the makings of a world-class striker. And if he can go, he gets his move, then I'm pretty sure he's going to do big things. What about yourself, Francis? Ah, so I think I think Leicester is an absolute great move from knows if that's the deal that goes through, he knows Rogers. Rogers knows him, so he'll he'll know what Rogers expects of him and stuff, and Rogers will know what to get from him. So it's it's a move that makes sense. And then Leicester are obviously they're they're always they're up and they're thereabouts to get in the top four of the premiership. So I, I, I can't see anything going wrong with the deal for him and then it gives him that potential to move further up, maybe to, to a Liverpool or something, a Liverpool or a, even a Man United, because they two teams, I think, in the next two, three years, will be looking for a striker. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, Cavani's the agent, isn't he? He's like yeah, 33. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, for me, new and stuff, he's going to be leaving uh-huh. pretty soon in Anfield. But, I mean, looking at players leaving, well, let's touch upon quickly players who could potentially come in, or, I mean, if there's anyone in the, the panel that has a preference of a player, maybe a left back that they want to come in again. But, We've seen the lone players like sort of Laxalt, Elanusi, uh, Duffy, who's the other one? Kenny. Kenny. <laughs> oh, you yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, I nearly fell asleep saying his name. But, John, <laughs> coming to yourself, uh, you did come into the group with a kind of left field suggesting, I want you to come out to the podcast and say, it. who would you like to see back or Celtic take the gamble on, as you said? John, go and wait the night because I'm going. Ah, yeah. No, <laughs> no, I'm going, I, no, no, I know exactly. I know exactly what you're getting at, and I'm going to come to it. <laughs> okay, okay. Because I personally think that it's worth it. So I, I would like to see Elanusi back. I've always rated Elanusi. Like I said, if we get a decent deal for him, um, then absolutely. Uh, we, we, again, we know what he's capable. Of. We know he can score goals. We know we need a left-sided player as well. And this brings me to the other point, right? And hey, this go, is I to mute my mic because <laughs> very good. You can laugh the whole time, but I want you to, honestly, Franny, and I'm putting you on the spot. Right. I want you to come come back to me, right? And you give right. me a valid. And I'm ready. I'm ready. I want a. <laughs> I, I genuinely want a valid and uh-huh. a, like a reasonable response for you. Then I just laugh. Like I don't know. tell me, tell me why I'm wrong or why it's such a bad idea, right? But basically, what I'd, for the folk that's listening, <laughs> I said 
in their group chat, right? I'd read that, and this is regarding Diego Laxalt, all right? I'd read that AC Milan would be willing to offload Laxalt for four million. And then I presented the thought to the group, our group chat, and I says, what do you guys think uh, about Laxalt for four million? Because it is significantly cut price on these, the deal that, or the money that AC Milan paid for him uh, and what he's generally regarded or, or what his value is. Um, so I presented that question and I got laughed at plain and simple. Now, I'm going to put this to, and even anybody that's listening, like, I want valid, like, give me a well thought out, didn't he just say, because he's shite, because that's the worst possible comeback ever. I want a, a, a thought out response. It's, no, it's not. Because you need to be able to back up. You can't just say shite. The entire team's been shite, right? You've, you've got a case I've then. Been, we're not talking every... about the whole team. No, about... You can't just bring everybody else into your, the argument I'm, here, I, That's exactly what You want lax out or everybody? No, listen, listen, you can't say you didn't want a player there because they were shite, because in that case, you don't want any of that first 11 there because I, but I've no pick, by and no, large, all this season, they've been up, shite. You're picking I'm just, up lax out. Let me finish, Franny. Just, just stick with him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to lax out, but I, I'm, try, I'm, I'm making my point, right? Hey, go, pal. And this is, what you're, this is what you guys that were jumping on my back weren't again. So <laughs> I said that lax out for 4 million, although a gamble, could potentially be worth it because, and I'm going to outline the reasons why, right? We've seen glimpses in Laxalt of what he is capable of. The management this season, or rather mismanagement of players this season, has seen all players' performances drop across the board. Now, bear in mind, this is a guy who's come in, English isn't his first language, and has come into a poor setup, a poorly run club, coach club, this season, and has been expected to hit the ground running because Celtic fans demand the absolute best, which they should. But, We've seen glimpses, like I says, of what he's capable of now. This is a guy who only a couple of years ago uh, was a Uruguayan internationalist under 20s and was winning awards for one of the best players at the tournament. This is a guy who is playing international football for the, the, the actual full Uruguayan team and scoring goals as well at international level. This is a guy who was picked up by Inter Milan, went out and loan to clubs like Empoli, Genoa, and managed to win himself a move through his loan move with Genoa, I believe it was, to AC Milan for 18 million with add-ons. And then he came to us. Now, that, he has all the makings that I think he a player who's capable, right? He plays, he can play left-back, he can play left-mid. That's what he claims his position is anyway. His, his natural position is on the left side of the midfield. We've been screaming and greeting for a left, another left-sided player. Now, I personally, and I want you to come back to me, Franny and Stephen, even, and anybody else who's listening and wants oh, to get involved. Stephen, I'm an afterthought, Joel. No, no, <laughs> but I want, I want you to come back and tell me why you feel and, and validate it. Like, I want proper, like, if we're going to have an, if we're, if we're going to have a discussion about it, I want a decent response. I don't know just why I hear that shape because that's the worst possible response. But so you've got a player, he's young, he's fast. We've seen glimpses of what he's capable of. He's highly rated international. Big clubs, AC Milan, Inter Milan, I've seen enough in him. He's done well in the Italian league. And like I say, we've been, he plays positions where we are not exactly got much depth and that we need strengthening in. Now, four million for that is potentially a gamble, but ultimately it's no a huge gamble because if he comes in, he underperforms, You've got options then, right? Depending on how long his contract is, you can get him out on loan. 
you could potentially recoup that four million or more off the back of him, right? Or he comes in, he's got the right manager uh, sort of guiding him, the right coaching team. He's no on loan, so he can put his feet, he can plant his feet, he can keep his head up, you he can guide him, you can mould him, coach him well, and then you have potentially got a player who's back up to the eighteen million mark. So you tell me. One answer come first. I want I want a valid and thought out answer or reasoning why you Who's think that's so laughable. Right. Well, for a kick off, twenty eight is not young in football. So he's not young. The guy, the guy has had no by all accounts he's had international football, but twenty four caps in five year. It's not a lot. It's not a lot. The guy has played a hundred and seventy two games in nine years. Have you seen who, just to come back to you on that, right? Oh, sorry, I have, thought I was have, giving my points to argue No, you're giving your points, out. but have you, seen, have you seen the position the players he's fighting for at international level? Well, John, that's but just, um, you're telling me he's a, I'm just giving yeah. you points here why I yeah, think Francis he's... Give his you're saying he's an internationalist, but he's, no, he's not, he's played 24 international games, which is a lot, to be fair, but it's not a lot in five years. He's played 172 games in nine years, which averages at 19 games a season. That's not a lot of games, John. That's not regular. And he played zero games for Inter Milan. Zero. He played... Oh, because they, they, they immediately put him out on loan. Ah, that's how much they fought him. The top <laughs> man out. But he would, he would, that was back in 2013, Franny. He was a project yeah, player. We we yeah. did it all the time. I know, but you, you can't even... Oh, Inter Milan signed him, but he never kicked the ball for them. And then, like, I tried to back him up in the past. I tried to... But, but you, you, you can't turn around and say, after that season... He justifies an outlay of four million. You can't be taking punts. We can't be taking punts next season on guys like Blacksall at four million and potentially turn good because it's all fine and well saying, oh, he might, what if he comes and it doesn't work out? We'll send him in loan. What if we send him in loan? It, it, he's, he's right. What if he does what Bolingoli does and plays like four games? And what if he does the opposite? I think you can't just. That's not a valid argument, John. What if it does the opposite? But it is though, because my what my, my point is is that four million in this day and age isn't a lot of money. As in Scotland, I, I, I have I'll give my wee bit of point well, there. Can I just say something? Right. Would you say it's twice the play like we signed Greg Taylor for two million? Is it twice the player Greg Taylor is? No. Exactly. I don't rate Greg Taylor either. That let no me give my point. <clears throat> right. Let me give my point here, because I think you're saying four million isn't a massive punt. I mean, I don't believe Sadly's transfer budget can afford to take a four million chunk for one player. I don't think no. it's that big for this rebuild. And I touched upon what Francis was trying to say, that 28 is not young. By all accounts, his best spell in his career was with the Italian club Diona over a three-year period, where he had a, a good couple of appearances. And funny enough, he played with Oliver Nisham at Diona at, uh, at that time, and we were pretty successful together. But he came in, and yes, John, you're right, when he first came in, we raved about him. He looked like he was quality. He had the highest record for the most tackles in a European game. But again, you could argue how crap were we with our left back had the bails out time and time again. Then he started to regress into the the crap that was seen that all players did give. I have to admit, I mean, it was bad coaching. I'm a big Barkas fan. I believe that's where he's fell down. My argument for Laxalt not coming back to Celtic is more the fact that Four million pounds is not a gamble. It's a big outlay for a Scottish club, regardless of stature mm-hmm. worldwide worldwide appeal. I get what you're saying in terms of his European pedigree. He was in the World Cup team of the year in twenty eighteen and you have to be a quality player to be, to get in that. But sometimes yes. I see these four sometimes I see these foreign players come into Scotland and they don't make it. I mean you could cycle like 
But you could cite the likes of Janino in that argument. He came in, Brazilian international, he had one good game and that was it. He would do the same again with Celtic shirt. And that, for me, is where Axel should stay in the European game where he's best suited, not the Scottish game. Yeah. Right. <laughs> is that, is that all you want to say? Well, <laughs> I mean, like I said, you're entitled to an opinion, same as yes, I am. Yeah. Yes, yeah, 100%. And by the way, can I just outline 28 in football is still a good age and no, these no, players tend that, to be in that run about their prime run about that age yeah. as well so let's know if I say he's, he's still a young guy 20, I'm fucking aye, he's young to us aye he's young to me <laughs> <laughs> and like I say he's, he's still, he's still uh, in terms of football he's still in his prime aye, he's still at his peak so and like I say it's 4 million is a gamble I'm not going to dispute that. Every, every signing is a gamble. Every signing, exactly. Every signing is a gamble. Regardless of feet, I just think, looking at, and like I said, I, I've tried in the past, I can remember when the, the Derby games are, I called for him to play and he had the worst 45 minutes I think I've ever seen a footballer head. But I just think what we're potentially going to be going through next season, I think four millions a lot to be putting out for a guy that has not justified that. Yeah. That's, that's, I think well, that's agree, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. And we'll move on gracefully to the next point. And that point is what was seen. I mean, we heard that Neil Lennon was signing with a new PR firm to improve his midgies. Midi, what? His image. <laughs> well, I don't know where that came from. I just seen a midgie or something that said midgie, but improve his, his, his image in regards to the football world. His first inter- interview done with the Times. I mean, that kind of threw pan the face of any image he's trying to improve. And basically, I'm not going to go through the whole article, but he said that. There's a new breed of Celtic fans that he has no connection with. He also said we had an unhealthy obsession with the 10. But again, he was doing the 10 fingers to the fans when eight in the row season. And the board were marketing the whole 10 thing, be a part of the 10. That's how they got their season tickets uh, sold out in allocation. He also said that, what was it, that, I, that there's a new breed he had no connection with. He, it wasn't a joyful time to be a Celtic manager, which I find... I mean, that's that's mad because he should be privileged to be Celtic manager at any time, at any time in the world or any time in his life. That shouldn't be any question. It'd be a joy for anybody who supports Celtic or supposed to support Celtic to manage Celtic. And I'll come to yourself, John. How did you feel with the whole Danny comments? He didn't do himself any favours there, really, did he? No, that's exactly what I said. He's done himself no favours. Listen, I love Lennon as a player mm-hmm. and his first stint as a manager. I can't speak highly enough of him. Everything he went through as a manager, the stuff, and the shite he had to put up with as a manager, nobody should ever have to put up with, but he done it. And then when we needed him most, when Rogers left, he stepped up again. But I, again, I stand by that at the end of that, it should have been, thank you, shake his hand, let him go. For him to come out, like you say, and then say that, essentially, still try to absolve himself of any blame this year whatsoever, rather than just hold his hands up and say, look, it, was, it didn't work. Apologise for it, just say sorry. He's still pointing the finger He's still blaming certain elements of the fans for it. Uh, I think he touched on as well the the after and, and this is another comment that really baffled me because he implied uh, after that Scottish Cup run ended. I know the fans were angry. Some of the fans acted absolutely disgustingly by uh, attacking the bus and throwing stuff and all that. We don't condone that at all, and that's a very very small minority. The he tarred them with the same brush. He says Celtic fans should have been celebrating it. We were. I don't think he understands this. We just won a quadruple treble. Like, we couldn't celebrate it enough. And I think we've all said the same thing. The result against, getting knocked out of the cup against Ross County was a terrible, it was a terrible result. Bottom we don't condone. Well. Aye. 
Uh, we don't, and we don't condone what happened outside Celtic Park that night either. Were we upset at losing? Absolutely. Were we, we, we sad that that cup run came to an end? Absolutely. Were we still happy that we managed to win four on the trot? Absolutely. It was celebrated. It still is. We still talk about it in high regard. We still see it as an incredible achievement that will never be bested. And let's be honest, it won't. We've set a record that will probably never be broken. And no. we, for him to come out then and point the finger at fans and say, much like the board have previously, you're entitled. You're obsessed with the 10. Again, we've just done nine in a row for the second time. You're on course and in the best position possible to go and set another record, to break another record and win 10. Fans, of course, or any fan at any club that coming up on a record like that is going to be excited for it, obsessed with it. We all were. Any, any, any fan would have done the exact same. So to, to, to use that as a negative and try and spin that as a negative, like, or the, the, an unhealthy obsession with the 10, eh, shut up. And what? the fact that he's, he's still pointing the finger at fans, with it, he can't hold it, like I said earlier on about the board, just hold your hands up, be honest, be open, admit you made a mistake, admit it wasn't working, and I'll respect you for it. So, but it has, it's, it's, it's tarnished his reputation for me because... I expect better from him. I expect better from him. Um, I still I think he's, his career at Celtic has been fantastic and he'll still be held in high regard for that. But he certainly, as far as I'm concerned, he's, I've lost a bit of respect for him after the comments. But I will say this in his defence, and I might get a lot of flack for this, but I really don't give a fuck. There is an element of Celtic fans, and I've seen them, and these are probably mere the younger generation because they've grew up with nothing but success through Celtic. They've not seen what a lot of you have seen uh, like in the 90s and everything else and watching Rangers go through their nine in a row and having to deal with that but they are a different kind that they are I wouldn't say it's a, they are a different type of Celtic fan because they're accustomed to success and they don't know any different but some of the comments I've seen online for, the, for, for some Celtic fans are absolutely disgusting as well and they need to take a hard look at themselves well that, that that's fair enough I mean I, I kind of get where you're coming from in terms of the, the kind of new generation of Celtic fans obviously being accustomed to success and me myself personally I was I mean the first ever can game I just I, can I just want to back this point up as well though there is a new generation of Celtic fans coming through right that have accustomed to that success it no it does and they know nothing but success and that's fine like it happens um, every generation is going to be different but for Lennon to say he felt out of touch with the fans and all that, that's bullshit. You, yeah, what yeah. he should have done was just come out and say, I should have left at Christmas. I should have left. I should have walked away, let the club appoint somebody, try and salvage what was left of the season, hold his hands up and say, it wasn't working for me, and apologise and let go. Mm-hmm. But no, I agree. he comes out, he points the finger, he still calls certain elements of Celtic fans obsessed well, pretty much all he is. Points the finger at Celtic fans, refuses to take any blame whatsoever, and then it comes out and says it wasn't enjoyable. But then why the fuck did you stay? Yeah, exactly. And another thing that really stuck out in the article was he kind of praised the board again, which again goes against the grain. I'm coming to yourself, um, Francis. John, you made some fantastic points, and the last one there in particular, it's a bit counterproductive that he's trying to prove the, improve the image of himself of his new PR company, and he's coming out slating 
the the club's fans who used to manage and the club he, he proclaims to support. He's putting them down in, in that sort of way. Another another thing that I found laughable was he kind of alluded to the backroom staff, saying he was kind of stuck with them. But, but obviously, he knew the conditions coming into that job, and he still took it. I mean, if he was man enough to come out and say that, surely he was man enough at the time to say, look, I'll bring my own guys in. It worked, it worked better last time. But he didn't. He took the job on, on them conditions. It's kind of the man who cried wolf, isn't it, really, that he's going back and all these saying, oh, this is why we weren't successful. Maybe these are all the mitigating factors that we've been waiting on, eh? And he's been saying, look, you don't know what's happening behind the scenes. And he's coming out and saying, saying all this crap, like out of touch with the fans who adore him and worship the ground he walks on me, myself, as an Irish man. Neil Lennon's all I can really remember growing up in the Celtic team. Him, Petrov, Lambert, McNamara, Larson, Hartson, Sutton. That's the team I grew up with and when I first seen Celtic and fell in love with him, watching him with my granda. And him to come out and say, just attack the fans, like it's nothing. And this is a club that's given jobs, given countless opportunities, brung them in and, and all sorts of capacities. Much like John Kennedy starting off as a coach, maybe not quite as successful as a manager, obviously not. And then Neil Lennon taking the reins the first time, coming in the second time. And then to do this, Francis, as he, he lost a bit of respect in your eyes, obviously he's still a club legend, as John alluded to, his success, is, you can't really deny that, but his comments were very, very silly, weren't they? Oh, they were silly, and I think, I think in maybe the weeks and months, maybe I'll pass him. I'm hoping he kind of regrets it to an extent because I'm, I just yeah, the worst, the worst silly comments. Like I echo what John, like the guy will always be a legend, guys, just simply for what he's, what he got put through, what he put himself through, and it didn't, didn't alter his decision making and taking over Celtic or being at Celtic, and that it, was, it could never. No second thought to the abuse that we potentially receive again when he came came back second time round, but it was just it was a strange, strange statement to like it was always it was sort of a I thought like having the Celtic plans this season kind of weren't singing for the same hymnship. There was disagreements, and it just this whole statement's not really helped it. Like the one, like you said, with the backroom staff, maybe like obviously got his own backroom staff the first time, but. You can't agree to the backrooms. Don't sell yourself so to the devil, then moan about it. But you can't yeah. you can't you can't agree to the terms, then moan about it. Appreciate that that could and quite possibly could be a mitigating factor of why it didn't work. But like you said, you agreed to the terms and like John said that as well, like come out and admit your fault. Well, I say come out, it's it's probably hard to come out and admit your faults, especially on being a Celtic man. He knows he failed and stuff, he failed and getting the 10, the biggest. Sorry, Francis, just to, just to come back to there, sorry, I'm, I'm going to let you obviously finish your point, but you said yeah. there that it would be hard for him, but if he's saying this thing that with a PR company, surely come out and taking some of the blame no, I agree. Puts, I agree. puts him in better stead I, going forward. Yeah, no, I agree. He, he, maybe, he, he should have, but also I think it, it, he's obviously a proud man. He's, he's a winner mm-hmm. and it, it, it could be hard to admit that you got it wrong. It, it just, it could be a wee bit hard, I think, and I hope my been Years, years to come, that he probably will. It he probably will be able to find it for himself and just say, "Look, we got it wrong. We got it wrong and stuff." But yeah, it's just like you said as well. Like the whole obs- unhealthy obsession. Like after we secured the eight and the nine, he was he was talking about it. He wanted to yeah, do it. He was he said he's a certain, yeah it's and stuff man. and and like to like to see like the new breed and the unhealthy obsession. There's there's nothing wrong with in an unhealthy obsession if you like to get success like I think any profession if you want to achieve anything or like get to the top of any profession but especially football 
you probably have to have an unhealthy obsession to it and an unhealthy dedication where you maybe put certain things like family, other things, work and stuff. You just you put things to the side because you, your main focus is on that end goal, maybe the maybe the ten. So it's to to call it an unhealthy obsession to want history, to want unrivaled success. I, I found that a strange comment because I think to an extent you could argue you need an unhealthy obsession to achieve that. And then to constantly just blame everybody else and then he brings up, oh, it wasn't so long ago I was getting lauded for uh, the Lazio game and stuff, <laughs> but then he, he fails taking all his Ferran Varos and the two Sparta Prague games. You're like, you can't, <laughs> you can't, you can't take all the plaudits and not expect to folk to come back at you. If you've got to start bringing up games, folk have got to then come back at you and go, well, look at these most recent ones. Okay. Exactly. It's just, but I mean, I always love the guy and stuff. It's just, it was like you said. I think it was a silly statement. I yeah, I think it's a silly it statement. <laughs> it was. And uh, see, see, see off topic. What well, <clears throat> I'm, I'm excited to see Scott Brown and the Euro uh, panelist. He's going to be up with Roy King. Well, that'll be exciting. But that again, like, <clears throat> don't mean to go off topic. I just came into my head. I don't know why, but I wanted to say. It. <laughs> but any final word, guys, on the Lennon interview? Are you happy enough to move on? No, I'm happy. Yeah, no, I'm pretty, <laughs> pretty sure we both <laughs> made our points. Yeah, and another just to touch upon it quickly, he was saying that the majority shareholder at Celtic, Dermot Desmond, finally came out of his shell to do an interview with an Irish journalist. And in this interview, the Irish journalist was trying to probe, probe him to ask him questions about the Celtic and about Celtic's rebuild and what's going to happen in the future. Dermot Desmond refused, but then he gave the man a quiz. I don't know if you've seen much of I this. I saw it, aye. Yeah, no, he, basically, he, he basically gave him three questions and he got them all wrong. And Dermot Desmond said, look, you don't know t- you don't know lots about Celtic or something, so you're not really in a position to talk about them. So I, I'm not going to talk about them to you. Now, for me, that's that's fu- that it is kind of funny. Fair enough, he, he done that, but it's not the right time again. He should be no. giving information on what the direction is, John. Surely, what what was your take on that on that situation? Yeah, no, I thought the 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 whole asking the boy questions uh, about Celtic was was quite funny. But I mean, this is the guy who is a majority shareholder in one of the biggest clubs, and. He doesn't do the whole media thing when he really fucking should because the fans deserve to hear for the guy who has the majority of shares in the club. But again, he would much rather be fucking silent and he's continued that. He had an opportunity to come out and just have a chat with somebody. He didn't have to answer all the questions. He could request certain questions, maybe not be asked. He could request, maybe, uh, request certain questions, maybe not even be printed. But he should have still had that conversation and still answered some of the questions that I'm no doubt that, that this journalist had would have been a lot of questions that have been on fans' minds as well. Mm. Uh, but again, it just smacks it. You didn't want to answer them because you've you've either no got an answer or you just don't care enough. And that's what it screams to me. And the fact that he, he, he's he's had an opportunity to do that. He's had an opportunity to come out and speak to the fans through this journalist, answer some questions, let us know sort of where where he is, where the club is, and everything else and refuse to do it again just shows how detached how far detached he is for the club and its fan base and just further cements the fact that he needs to he needs to leave yeah and again francis as you say you don't really know about it basically what john said there's quite quite a summary but i'll give you the gist of it he had an interview with an Ari journalist obviously over here uh, i think it was around around about his businesses maybe horses and stuff in between but the Irish journalist wanted to probe him about Celtic and it came to the head when Dermot Desmond kind of gave him three questions. One was about 
when did Desmond take first control of majority shareholding of Celtic? He got that wrong. Five, he was blah, only blah, a year out, by the way. Yeah, he was. Yeah, to <laughs> he be said ninety three when it was ninety four. Yeah, and to be fair, John did sum it up in, in regards to what he should have done. Do you think he should have just kind of pop, parked that and answered at least a few questions for the fans? Yeah, it's like, like you say, that it, it is maybe a wee funny thing to do, but it goes back to the whole read the room as well. It? Just, <laughs> yeah. give, give them a wee bit, just give them a wee bit something. And like John touched on, like, like Dermot Desmond, like these type of guys don't just give interviews well and early. So they've they been, they've been set questions the guy was allowed to ask anyway. So there was probably a couple ones in there within Celtic that he could have asked. And hmm. like, I'm, I've not got a great problem with my owner not being in the like not coming out speaking and stuff obviously if he's given an interview like we used to said in over in Ireland there I would hope to maybe hear something about Celtic in it and especially under the circumstances what we're in the now we well it looks like we have now secured the manager and stuff but there's there's other things like obviously the rebuild and then obviously backroom staff if you like and director of football heads of recruitment so I would, I would have liked to maybe hear maybe something on that but to, to, like, to kind of sort of argue against I, I wouldn't say Dermot Desmond doesn't care about Celtic like he didn't become a billionaire and been all caring and stuff and he didn't like, become I've a not, billionaire through Celtic though nah no but like, it seems like it's, he's it's not lost things. his it's not lost his billions is it so it's just I don't think no, he because he won't care. fucking spend any of it that's <laughs> true I, well he has not the bus to be fair like he brought in Roger Strachan on it he's, he's, but he spent money like he has done it he's just maybe not done it as much as we would th- like him to I do think the, I think to be fair what John was saying he hasn't really I think it's what last count 11 years since he last dipped his hand in his own pocket for Celtic but so, I'm led to uh, believe that he brought in it was him that was I don't know how long ago Robbie Keane was but I think he brought in Robbie Keane as well he, he pressed the button, but again, it's club finances covering that. I mean, they made a hundred million that year, so right. Ah, well, fair enough. But, uh... <laughs> but what I will say is, and again, this is going back to you, Franny. He was, he was, he was asked, and he he specifically said before he did the quiz, "I don't want to talk about Celtic." I know, I agree. Like you're the majority I, I, shareholder I, of this club. Ah, I, no, I, I don't want to talk about it. like, and like, I'm not, I'm not looking for my my owner to come out and be doing interviews every. Sort of six, eight weeks. Or like, I would rather not. He, he never no, no, does it, no, that's what I mean. Well, I, but I've not. I, I have absolutely zero care about him ever doing it. But if you're putting yourself in that position, maybe give us something. Tell us, tell us something. Yeah. Because like, to kind of like, I, you don't. I'm not want my own. Like, you never hear Abramovich or the Glazers or like Sheikh Mansoor at Man City coming out. Like, nobody really cares about what their owners have got to say. That's boring. Well, I think. I think you did. I think under this, like, he's obviously put, that's what I'm trying to say, he's put himself in an interview situation. He's put himself out. So I don't think it's wrong for us to expect something in this interview. But in the main, I have no issue with my owner being, being silent. Because <clears throat> how many owners around the world at clubs are you here being very vocal? Good yeah. ones. No, I, no, well, I, then I, I, name, I, name, name me two. <laughs> exactly. Right. You used to I pick don't the know other names. But who's no, who's no, the boy for? Uh, mm-hmm. that Leicester. He never. They never come out and say anything. They're, not, they're yeah, never. They've got a better out relationship with the fans. Aye, they've got a good relationship, hey, but they're, they're never doing interviews, are they? Take well, take, this is take the thing, the though, Franny. See, see, uh, this season, the off seasons, you've no, got a guy 
That's what I'm saying. Uh, he should have everything's said Everything's in turmoil, right? The place is a mess. He's got an opportunity to answer some questions. Yes, and I, I and said he, he should have. point blank refused to do it. I said he should have. I'd say he should have, but I'm, I'm so reading the main... Well, my main point is I'm, I'm not interested in my owners doing interviews, but if you're putting yourself in that position, maybe give us something. So you don't want to hear for the majority of shareholders of the club? Aye, you, see, you, just, you just listen to what I say and take what you want. For it. Just make up what I say, then. Eh? Right. Right, 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 right. Take the parcel, go, go. <laughs> That's literally what you said, though. No, I, I just mean, and no, in the main, I don't care if I hear from Mona at all. But <laughs> right, if you're putting yourself in an interview, I want to hear something. Right. We get the point. We all we, we all believe that he, he should have said something. I mean, what yes. we did learn during the podcast that Desmond Dermot Desmond is John's trigger word. Holy shit. <laughs> completely anger and boil off the man but that, that, that brings us to the end of the show end of the podcast guys I have to thank you again I'm going to give you a bit of good news here maybe, it may be good news but for me I had no time to organise a quiz so there's no quiz oh, this well. week okay. <laughs> it may be a Logan Paul fight <laughs> but what I will say to the people who are listening this week we are going to do our very first Scully's extravaganza for the, Euro- the European Championship campaign what we're going to do in that, it's going to be all members of the End of Cells podcast, hopefully. I explained this before, I'm an Irish man, but the rest are Scotties and they're all, they're all excited at the prospect of covering Scotland, as am I. So in that their segment, we'll cover Scotties memories, favourite Scotties games, favourite Scotties legends, the reaction to the Euro squad, what we think the predicted lineup be, should be for the first game, all that kind of stuff. It's going to be a, a fun pack show with plenty of laughs. And we also have come up on, on the podcast channel our interview with the youngest ever Celtic goal scorer, Jack Aitchison. That will be available very soon, so look out for that. And to my co-host, John, and to our show regular, Francis, have you enjoyed this one, guys? Yeah, yeah it's been good. Yeah. yeah, no worries, guys. And until everyone who's listening, as you always said, he is, stay well and keep safe. Heel, heel. <laughs>